What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I am your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. Daniel, another exciting weekend. Before we dive into our reaction, our takeaways from this weekend, you know, a few housekeeping announcements. What you got for us? Yeah, so we just want to go ahead and just uh, get in front of this. We've got um, Jacob's going to be gone this week on vacation, so we're not going to have a picks episode this week. So we are still going to do our picks. We're going to put them out on social media. So this is a great opportunity to follow us on social media at the Extra Point Pod, both on Instagram and Facebook, and both our Twitter accounts at Jacob Carnes with a K and at Deep South Daniel. This way, you can see our graphics as they come out. When uh, Jacob, you know, when we post them, once we're once we've made our picks for the week, once the lines come out, um, we are going to obviously be back with you for the wrap up show after next Saturday's slate of games. But we just want to touch on this, make sure you guys knew that you didn't miss an episode. We're just not going to have one midweek. So, you know, enjoy your break and, you know, check out our social media. Check out our social media for sure. Are you still going to have your your thoughts that you post the JK uh, JK takeaways JK takeaways I started doing it today Um, so you're gonna have your JK takeaways I'm gonna have my Saturday impressions we're gonna put those out start this week so follow us on Twitter so you can get those as well at deep south Daniel at Jacob Carnes you you gotta say it with a K I mean with a K K. (laughs) hey let's dive in how let's start with the whiteout this game just ended I mean it's 1132 here on the East Coast, so still got a couple West Coast games going. Where I, you know, I got it up on the screen right here with Arizona State and BYU. But let's dive into the whiteout. Penn State wins twenty-eight to twenty. I mean, gorgeous environment. That's one of the reasons you love college football. Students were out there. You know, three hours of four kick, uh, filling up the student section. So glad to have the fans back. Penn State. I mean, I think the score was very indicative of this game. It was a uh, defensive battle and Penn State edged out Auburn I thought it would be right there at a touchdown we got it at six and a half Auburn had a chance late I think my biggest takeaway is when you call timeout with on fourth and goal and you got Tank Bigsby in the backfield hand him the ball (laughs) I think oh yeah we were texting our friend Cartwright and he was like saying that should have been pass interference in the end zone and I said no what should be a penalty is calling timeout and calling a fade on fourth and goal. That should that should be a penalty. With that should a, be 15 with yards. A, with a an inaccurate passer, with yes. Onyx, who just as a reputation is not very accurate on should we say 50-50 balls or contested contested, you know, uh, routes. I think that that's probably the the biggest takeaway um, as far as that goes. Bo Nix looks like he has grown, but it looks like he still has some of his Bo Nix qualities, which, you know, I think it's, I think he's got a ton of talent and I think he's still developing because I think that he's had a couple years of either underdevelopment or no development or maybe regression. So I do think that he's growing in this Brian Harson, Mike Bobo tandem offense that's going on. Um, it's just taking some time. Um, man, well, this was a fun game though. Uh, I couldn't take my eyes off of it while it was, while it was on. Um, I do think that, you know, Penn state, um, I think they resisted an early punch in the mouth from Auburn where Auburn gets up to the early lead and then kind of answers their touchdown 
with a touchdown, Auburn does, and goes back up 10-7. to At that moment, I started to have questions like, okay, is Auburn going to take control of this game? Is this the same old, you know, SEC versus anybody kind of matchup? Are we about to see something like this play out? But, um, you know, no, Penn State did make some plays down the stretch. Of the two quarterbacks, Sean Clifford looked more impressive, especially in big spots. He made some good rollouts, some good clutch plays. Um, this was a hard-hitting game. It was very fun to watch. It felt very, you know, I don't know, it just felt very big, like a very big matchup, exactly like it was supposed to feel. Both the defenses played a lot of bend, not break uh, on mm-hmm. defense. I mean, and it showed with both offenses – Auburn only had one three and out on offense. Penn State only had two three and outs on offense. So, I mean, a couple of turnovers here and there. Sean Clifford had a good game. You mentioned Bo Nix. I mean, 21 of 37 for 185 isn't isn't amazing. Uh, No touchdowns, no picks. But, hey, Sean Clifford, 28 of 32 for 280. He had that one pick, but that's a dang good game in this kind of spot. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at total total yards over here, the breakdown. Auburn ran the ball really well. I mean, 182 to 89 in the in the rushing category, which again baffles me why you don't run the ball on fourth and goal from the I mean, one. It's two yards, uh, like I mean, even if they know it's coming, that's a small percentage play that right. fade. I, if you're going to do something else, roll the pocket and then have an option for Bo Nix with his feet to right. either bail and run or throw something that's a little higher percentage. Yeah, just not a fade. That was that was a struggle call, man. I don't know. Um, I, I I hate to see it, but at the same time, it, it just kind of plays to the hey, you've got more of a veteran coaching staff with Penn State. You've got a new, not necessarily brand new coaching staff with Brian Harson, the first year head coach at the at his school. So, you know, getting used to everything. I was expecting to see a little more maybe trick plays because of the Boise State rep. You know, I don't know if uh, maybe that's just from watching the Boise State games for years and years. Um, I was expecting to see something like that from uh, from Auburn. but um, They had a couple. The It's funny. Brandon Marcello had a tweet that said, I thought Auburn fired the guy who ran trick plays <laughs> after they ran one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, so Penn State 3-0, and what a way to start the season. Two ranked wins. Uh, they go October 9th to play at Iowa. They play Villanova and Indiana before then. I'm looking at this and going, that's going to be an undefeated Penn State run into Iowa. And if they can get past that two weeks later, they play Ohio State. And so that's huge. What a start for Penn State. This is exactly what James Franklin needed. And this kind of validates the people, including us, who are buying into Penn State uh, after last year, kind of riding off last year as a weird COVID thing. And, you know, James James Franklin validating that for people who had buy-in in his team. Also, Jahan Dotson just being a dude at receiver. Um, I think he's probably going to set himself up to be a a high NFL pick because everybody's already learning his name after a couple weeks, and he's definitely a a big-time target in this offense. So, Danny, where do you want to take us next? Um, Well, you mentioned mentioned Indiana. I just want to touch on Cincy, Indiana at noon. Um, I was pretty impressed with both teams because Indiana got up to the early lead. Cincinnati came back on the road against a Big Ten opponent. And I think that they helped themselves potentially validate themselves down the stretch if there is a sneak of a backdoor into a playoff scenario. 
they needed this win and they needed it by two touchdowns, which is what they got. So impressed by Cincinnati, their resilience. Um, they look like a very well coached team. Um, and so I feel like the stage wasn't too big for them, which was surprising getting down 14 nothing with being on the road uh, with Big Ten school. So impressed with Cincinnati in that game. The score looks worse than the game was. I mean, you know, final Cincinnati 38, Indiana 24. But this was a game where Indiana actually outgained Cincinnati 376 yep. to, 20, to 328. But I tweeted this in my JK's takeaways. But biggest stat line there, what changed the game? Red zone attempt, Cincinnati 5 for 5, Indiana 3 for 6. You convert on even, you know, two of those, and this is a tie game. So right. you got to convert when you get into the red zone. That's where Cincinnati lost control of this game. And that's On the flip Cincinnati... side, the, the defense, those red zone defenses. Yeah. So Cincinnati bowing up and, and stopping it on in the red zone. So definitely um, that defense is situational defense. Like we've been talking about, that's big time for them. I'll take us to another big one. Let's go to the Swamp, 330, first SEC on CBS game. You and I picked Bama to cover, and – Man, I, I even said on the pod, I said, number say Florida, but I'm not picking against Bama again and being wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I'll take the, I'll take, yeah, being you can wrong, sleep at night. Bama. I'll sleep yeah. at night. But Daniel, I'll walk away from this game. I'll walk away impressed with both teams in a way. I think some people are going to be disappointed in Alabama, but I think that to go on the road in that environment against a legitimate top 10 team in Florida, I think any win you take with you and keep moving on, I mean, we talk about the SEC. It is different down here. It does just mean more. And we've seen a lot of ranked teams lose in the first three weeks. College football is all about survive and advance. And Alabama right. survived, and they're going to advance. But for Florida, I'm looking at the schedule and thinking, gosh, I think they might be a tier above like the rest of the SEC East for sure. Like they are that second-best team. And can they compete with Georgia? I think mm -hmm. that's yet to, you know – Get to be seen, but right. to be within two points of Alabama. Yes, without they were home, Anthony Richardson. Without Anthony Richardson, I thought Emory Jones played. We, I mean, I, let's start here. Emory Jones, I think he made the place he needed to in spots he needed to. But if you look at the stat line, it is not all that impressive through the air. Right. right? We talked about running quarterbacks who are accurate passers or who beat Alabama. And I think he hit spots where he needed to, but. 17 and 27 for 181 is not like off the charts impressive. It's not. That's a very average quarterback play. I think this is a more traditional Dan Mullen running offense. I mean, the fact that they rush for 258 yards is incredible. Right. And the thing I walked away most impressed with with Florida was they were better than Alabama on the line of scrimmage. On both sides, they were better than Alabama on the line of scrimmage, which is something I would have thought Bama would dominate coming into this game. And so that's been a struggle for Florida the last few seasons under Dan Mullen. If they can figure line of scrimmage out, they can compete again. I mean, they're going to face the best defensive line in the country when they play Georgia. And so there's your true litmus test. But, I mean, they can push everybody else around their schedule. Yeah, this game, um, I, I come away with a lot. Um, very mixed bag from Emory Jones. I do think that he made plays down the stretch that kept – Florida in this game. I also think that he created some distance between Alabama and Florida by throwing an interception and for there being some ill-timed things that happened, um, you know, and him just not being as accurate with the ball um, like we saw Kyle Trask last year be. 
Um, I, I agree with you on the offensive side of the ball, offensive line, better, you know, able to, I mean, they were just executing blocks. They were very, it, whether they got to ta- the second level, whether they're as talented or not, I think that was not an issue because they were so technically sound. Yeah. Like you said, getting to the second level, the receivers blocked really well. I was very surprised with, yeah, I feel like Florida was able to to do a few different backs out there that were all able to get positive yardage. Um, and then obviously they ran the quarterback. Um, I would have been interested to see what they did with Anthony Richardson because yeah, like, like what I had anticipated um, I knew he, I didn't think he was going to be hundred percent healthy and Dan Mullen said as much that he weren't going to put him in unless it was an emergency. He is dressed out as an emergency quarterback. Um, but you know, the, the way he's going to help you win this game is if he comes in and is able to run the ball with a hamstring issues, you're just not able to do that. But um, if you're talking about the potential weak spot being Emory Jones and you've got a potential, you know, Anthony Richardson coming off once he gets healthy, being able to kind of get in there around the maybe before the Georgia game and get some games back in, that's going to be a huge matchup in Jacksonville for the SEC East. Uh, because I, I agree with you. I do think they took a step forward as far as solidifying themselves, at least as the number two team, kind of eliminating any doubt that people may have had creeping in with the Kentucky and, you know, other teams like that. They, they've kind of say, oh, hey, we're, we're here. We're competing with Georgia to go to Atlanta. Um, so that was impressive. I do want to highlight that. I mean, you know, the crowd was amazing as far as in the swamp i think that they did what they needed to do the fact that they were able to stay in the game when it was they were down 21 to 3 i think kudos to the fans in gainesville because that ended up um making a difference and then at the end of the game when it was close i mean that place was loud and popping and this was the first true road test for uh, Bryce Young. I mean, the whole roster. The, the Let's whole, be honest. The whole, the whole <laughs> roster, absolutely. We're going to look at Bryce Young, though. And he, I, I, I do think their offensive line is strong. Um, when you were saying that you think Florida's defensive line may be better, I think that they're trading blows, basically. But I do think that pass protection, I think they're good at pass protection. I think that he's able, he looks comfortable back there. He's comfortable on the rollouts, things like that. Um, he just looks like, like a veteran, uh, quarterback in that sense. Um, Jamison Williams would come away very, I feel like he might be their number one receiver, not just the number on his Jersey, but he might be better than John Mechie, um, as far as being a go-to guy. So, um, yeah, impressed with both teams, but I have questions for both teams going forward. Um, I feel like there's no perfect team out there right now. So, um, we saw that with a few different schools, um, this weekend, a few different teams this weekend. Last thing I'll mention about this game, Alabama had nine drives in this game. You want to know how many were in the second half? Like three. Three. Like, and I think Florida kind of gave the blueprint of how do you compete with Alabama? I think you can do it two ways. You beat them in a shootout. Like, you just outscore them 52 to 48. What is what Ole Miss is going to try to do to beat them? (laughs) Um, Or, and Florida did this the second half. They had four drives in the second half Florida did. They possessed the ball for at least four minutes each time. It was five minutes, four minutes, six and a half minutes. They scored a touchdown on every drive. And they just, you know, that that's the key. Hold on to the ball and then score and then trust your defense. Because Bama, they, they got the ball three times in the second half. It was touchdown, field goal, and then that last drive where they were trying to kill clock 
and they punted. But right. in Bama, I think last takeaway for Bama, find some balance on offense. And I'm glad you mentioned the offensive line. Uh, yes, pass pro, the offensive line was great. Running the ball is where they struggled. Right. And that's right. where if you're Bama, the balance last year is what created such like an eliteness on offense where on any down, on any yardage, it doesn't matter. Like you really don't know what's coming. And so yeah, that's what created some you – know, that's what separated them last year. They had to find, find some balance on offense. But a win nonetheless. Where do you want to take us next? Um, let's go to uh, a team that, you know, I've been, I've bullish on to start the season and then I've kind of, you know, moved to the side, which is Miami, uh, Miami, Michigan state, noon, noon slate, um, Michigan state. I'll, I'll say this. I'll start here. Cause I think that this needs to be said first. I'm impressed with Michigan state. I think that, uh, Mel Tucker's got them playing really well defensively, um, both in the secondary and, really just defensive line, being able to create some pressure. I don't know how much of it was, you know, the offensive line of, of Miami or just simply being able to get after Derek King. Um, but, you know, it's funny when a defensive head coach takes over, you're just not expecting the offense to really do anything. But offense looks pretty good for Michigan State. I feel like they were able to move the ball. Um, so I I'd I picked Michigan State. I thought that – Miami may win, but Michigan State would keep it close because they had those points. Um, so I just took Michigan State with the points. I didn't really trust Miami just yet, but I I feel like two things can be true. I feel like Miami can still be that team in the ACC that we picked, you know, that I really picked and was high on before the season. Um, not necessarily the team that could beat Clemson, which put a pin in that. We'll get back to that later. But, um, you know, a team that has improved. They played some tough non-conference games and got beat, but I'll say this, if I'm a Miami fan, I'm at least encouraged because I feel like I've emerged from this game with a number one target at receiver in Charleston Rambo. Cause down the stretch, he had several catches, uh, caught, had caught the touchdown and just looked like, like a guy that you can depend on and be the go-to guy for someone like Derek King, who's been, somewhat struggling to find that so far in Miami in his, you know, last year and this year, he's had a lot of drops, things like that. So if he can kind of get more consistent, maybe they play uh, a little bit lighter schedule in the ACC, get some of those games under their belt, they could pick up some wins and, and feel good about themselves and get kind of on the upward trajectory, but really came more impressed with both mostly Michigan state, obviously from the win. And again, this is a score that's deceiving. I mean, total yards, there were 14 total yards separating the two teams. Um, I mean, if you look at the drives, this game got blown open. I mean, Miami gets it within seven with the field goal. <laughs> After that, they fumble the ball, Michigan State touchdown, Miami field goal, Michigan State touchdown, <laughs> Miami interception, Michigan State touchdown. So it gets blown open. But the thing I'm most concerned about with Miami is – running the ball. I mean, if you look at Rhett Lashley's offense from Auburn, I mean, the thing they do the the best is run the ball, and that offense is clicking the most when they're running the ball. And I think, I mean, 2.2 yards a carry is is awful. <laughs> Let's be blunt. That's bad. And I, I'm wondering if this is where you're missing the 100% healthy Derek King, where I wonder how much of an effect he had in the run game. 
And in an offense that thrives off of a quarterback run game, if you know he's not going anywhere, right. how much easier is it to scheme for that? And so I think this is at a this is a time where Miami needs to make some adjustments. And how can you get creative with running the ball? How can you, you know, get your guys the ball in space? Do you know, is it is it a screen game that you're working on? Because 388 passing yards is great for Derek King, but 2.2 yards of carry isn't going to cut it in this Lashley offense. And as bad as the ACC looks, uh, that can come back to bite you in the butt and lose you some more games. So not the start uh, Miami wanted, but I do walk away really impressed with Michigan State. 3-0 in year two from Mel Tucker. That's dang impressive. All right. You took us to Miami. Let's go. I want to hit a cut. Let's hit a few top teams. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Ohio State. Let's just hit the preseason top together. five. Yes. Okay. Perfect. I think three of these teams have something in common, and the other one has separated itself. And I think Georgia has separated itself. And Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma continue to struggle. <laughs> it hasn't. Right. It's been a one week thing. And at what point are you concerned for any of these teams? And which team are you most concerned about when it comes to? like playoff chances and hopes or even regular season, like which, which team are you most concerned about? For me, I'm going to go ahead and say Clemson just because of what I've seen so far. Um, obviously, you know, you mentioned Georgia. It's good to see JT Daniels healthy. looks like, looks like they're on track. Some sloppiness in that game had that on a second screen while I was watching Auburn Penn state. It looks like they're dominant when they need to be, um, but looks like they're kind of stubbing their toe towards the end of that game where they could have put it well out of reach um, and got us the cover for our picks that we made. But it is what it is. Um, Shane Beamer looks like he's really coaching up there in South Carolina. Um, he likes to clap. He does like to clap. They also, <laughs> Josh Van, hey, shout out Cartwright. Josh Van, wide receiver, made several big plays in the game and was the reason that it was, you know, that they scored – touchdown and a field goal so um i but anyways moving back to the other three oklahoma um struggling with nebraska was kind of it was surprising but it wasn't in the sense that it's one of these things in college football when you know two plus two is supposed to equal four and it's like you know 37 or something in this case because college football doesn't always make sense but um like 23 to 16, you're Oklahoma. Everybody's expecting you to be this great dominant team offensively and defensively. And I'm at the point, Jacob, where I'm not necessarily saying that it's all Spencer Rattler's fault, but you've got Caleb Williams and he could be the spark that this team may need down the stretch. So keep that in your back pocket as far as potentially, you know, getting out there and really, really, going going off um that's something i'm going to keep an eye on for for ou uh but like i said as far as the one that i'm concerned most about i'm going to come back to clemson clemson i think their issues are on the offensive line and i think that a team like georgia tech is a team that they're supposed to dominate they beat them was it 14 to 6 was the final yeah 14 to 8 14 they got that safety (laughs) okay 14 to 8 so Georgia Tech, no disrespect, but I mean, they lost to Northern Illinois and then, you know, they, they beat Kennesaw state, but this isn't a team that's supposed to challenge you. This isn't a team that's supposed to stop your offense. You've got, you know, that, that first drive 
that's the probably the most frustrating thing as a Clemson fan. The first drive they go down and score, Will Shipley punches it in, and you're thinking, oh, yeah, we're about to have a big day. Here we go. Yeah. Run the ball like crazy. DJ's going to throw for 250 and a few touchdowns, and then we're going to pull him and get some of these, you know, scholarship, non scholarship players, some walk ons in there, some our punter's going to play quarterback again, whatever against Georgia Tech. And yeah, it was kind of a funky game. It was delayed. Was it lightning delay? I believe. Yeah, um, and so it, it got delayed. Some some weird things happened, and Tech you just let them hang around, and Tech just stayed there, kept te- making open field tackles, and kept penetrating. And so, you know, obviously you saw Georgia do that the first week with Clemson. Clemson got right against South Carolina State, but then they played a an ACC opponent that they're supposed to dominate. Everybody kept – all I kept hearing after they lost to Georgia was, well, they're still going to win the rest of their games, no problem and no big deal. I was one saying it too. I felt like that was just a validating yeah. loss to Georgia. Well, consider me questioning Clemson at this point because um, if the offensive line can't do it because there's enough skill position players here to light up a scoreboard, um, we'll, we'll need to see them in these tougher ACC games, and I can't believe that I'm using the, that – adjective to describe an ACC game, um, especially after Pittsburgh losing to Western Michigan, but we're not going to even talk about that. Uh, it's just, it's, it's odd that they're, they're going to stub their toe. And I don't think that they're out of the realm of losing another regular season game. And potentially if the right team comes out of the coastal an ACC championship, which I know we all roll our eyes, but North Carolina looked okay today. So you, Hey, UNC did look good today. And that's about, uh, I was texting our friend, Greg, who listened. So, Hey Greg, shout out to you, man. Um, the good thing for Clemson is gosh, the whole ACC has just looked worse and worse every week. That's the, I, I, I that's the good thing for Clemson is it seems like your competition's getting worse and worse, but yeah, he texted me saying he's officially, he's officially concerned about DJ. And I said, mm-hmm. gosh, if only there was someone, all offseason, who said that they were gonna <laughs> they were gonna miss Trevor Lawrence, the greatest quarterback in Clemson history, and they were gonna uh, miss Travis Etienne. I might have the ACC's trouble running the ball all-time leading rusher behind an offensive line who hasn't been great. That Trevor made look okay. If only someone predicted that all offseason, man. So yeah, I'm concerned about Clemson. Uh, they go to NC State next week. I don't think that's a gimme at all at this point. Um, I thought Tech was a gimme. So. If Tech wasn't a gimme, yeah. NC State certainly isn't a gimme. Georgia Tech outgained Clemson. Like, <laughs> I want you to think about that. <laughs> also, maybe Jordan Yates is going to be the guy on offense. I know that they still only scored eight points, and two of those were a safety. But, you know, as far as moving the ball on this Clemson defense, I still think Clemson's defense is good. Um, so, you know what, maybe they'll – uh, maybe they'll roll with him and he'll maybe win him an ACC game or two. A couple of quick hitters in Oklahoma and Ohio State. Uh, Oklahoma, at what point do you play Caleb, Caleb Williams? You mentioned that 24 34, 214 and one touchdown is not. Here's the thing that's decent, but what we've come to see at Oklahoma is not an Oklahoma stat that's line. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not an Oklahoma stat line. Uh, so, at what point do they play Caleb, Caleb Williams and Nebraska? Adrian Martinez was the best quarterback on the field today. He played good enough to win. I was really impressed in Nebraska. Uh, after losing that early game, they came to play today. 
And I think if you're Nebraska, you're not, I, I think Scott Frost earned himself a little bit of wiggle room in the hot seat in this kind of game. I know you lost, but you didn't get blown out. Embarrassed. Um, yeah. Two to four in the red zone in a one score game. That's going to kill you. Right. And then Ohio state 500 yards of offense. Shout out Travion Henderson had 282 all purpose yards. We talked about it, that the running back room is about to get an upgrade with a true freshman. And, I mean, he had his go-off game, uh, but 185 passing yards. That's concerning when you've got the deepest receiver room in the country by a lot. And it's really concerning when any of these guys can transfer at any minute. So you got to get all these guys' touches. I think that's a challenge. I never question the challenge in an offense like Ryan Day's, but, I mean, yes, they had 500 yards of offense, running the ball worked today, but, uh, you know, they pulled away. They didn't cover with Tulsa. So I think they're the least concerned. Their defense I have major concerns about. Yeah, it, it doesn't look like it. there's a quick fix on that defense right now. They gave up 500 yards to Tulsa at home. So to Tulsa. Not, to Tulsa. Yeah, to Tulsa. Yeah. Tulsa has a way of making these games ugly, and so I was all over that 26-point line um, in our separate picks. I just felt like that was – you know, I'm in on Tulsa for that. Uh, they have a way of just making all these games ugly. Um, but yeah, Ohio State scored late to make it look better. But for a while, they were within seven points of Tulsa. And so it was definitely concerning if I'm a Buckeye fan. Um, but yeah, at, and, and you know, obviously we put OU on, let's call it Caleb Williams watch, you know keep an eye on him, but keep an eye out for him. But the conditions are also right in, in uh, Columbus to be looking at someone else at quarterback. You know, I don't think that CJ Stroud necessarily has this nailed down. I don't think that he's lost the job by any means, but I mean, I'm sure this is an ongoing competition of sorts. They've got too much talent in that room. And the, like what we said, the most talent on that wide receiver room for, there to be questions in the game. Um, you know, obviously they won the game by two scores, three scores, three scores. Um, so the final result, you know, you're not going to pull anybody because of that, but you know, if they have another close win against a, a lesser opponent, I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing some sort of rotation go. So. Daniel, I've got one more game. I wanted to hit. How many do you have? Um, I just have – I was going to make two comments about two random games but not talk about them. There's only one game I want to talk about left. All right, you go first. West Virginia. That's my and last Virginia game. Tech. There we go. Perfect. <clears throat> so, um, obviously, we came into this. I picked West Virginia. You picked Virginia Tech. Um, you were saying wrong team favored. Uh, you made me start really second-guessing my whole life because of that. I thought that this crowd would make a difference, which I think they did over the course of the game, um, but it was a noon kick. So it's, it's tough, sleepy crowd um, for West Virginia, but they got up early and then they just kind of held on late uh, as Virginia Tech tried to mount a comeback. But this defense, I feel like doesn't get enough credit um, after such a great performance last year, they lose co-defensive coordinator and then a couple transfers to the SEC uh, out of that defensive backfield, and we start thinking, oh, well, maybe they're not going to be as good. But, um, you know, it shows that this this team is, you know, well-coached on the defensive side of the ball. They have good playmakers there. Um, and Letty Brown was just 
feeling it in the run game today um, for, for West Virginia. And I think that he, his presence in that offense really makes it go because Jarrett Dagey can kind of play off of him. And obviously the play actions there, RPOs are there. And when you can run the ball effectively, I mean, you know, you'll eventually open some things up in the pass game. So um, much, much easier to move the ball when that's the case. So Letty Brown, I think player of the game, um, but overall just an impressive performance by the Mountaineers. Yeah, you're on the right side here. 6.2 yards per play to 4.5 yards per play for in, in favor of West Virginia. But, <laughs> gosh, I had a chance to get this late. And, backdoor code. honestly, Virginia Tech blew it. They, they had their last four drives made it to the red zone. Like, they scored two touchdowns. They had a turnover on downs on the nine, and they had a turnover on downs on the two. That should be at the very least two field goals, which ties this game. <laughs> right. And so I'm like, gosh, they played bad, but they played a great second half to get back into this game. And, you know, turnover on downs twice. I know you're down multiple scores trying to go for the win, but gosh, you get a field goal on one of these and I get this cover. So a little mad about <laughs> that, but, you know, I know they're playing to win, not to get covers, but that's what I'm here for. Uh, all right. I'm tapped out. What you got? I was just going to mention Florida State. Um, SEC? You better you better get right before you get left. You know what I'm saying? Like, you better get right before you get left, to quote Tory Williams, Stockbridge Dwarf House, circa 2009. All right? So, you better get right before you get left. So, they they got some problems. They I'm, I'm worried. I think that they um, – I think they've got a long way to go. So um, it just is what it is. I think that, you know, Wake Forest obviously did it to them. Um, and so that's all I'm really going to say on that. I don't want to, I don't want to dive in. There, there's a lot of issues they got to fix. A lot of it's talent, but you know, there's some, there's some play calls and stuff in there too. Uh, I got to see these stats. I, I, I got to see these stats. I haven't even looked at it. Uh, 92 rushing yards. Honestly, though, six point two yards per play isn't isn't bad on offense. This defense must have played awful. I mean, I saw oh, almost like three explosive yards. plays on on the highlights alone. I didn't watch this game because I just value my time way too much to watch Florida State play right now. Um, so, oh, here you go, uh, Mackenzie Milton two picks, Jordan Travis two picks. Oh my God, six turnovers. There you go. Yeah. That'll lose you a game. <laughs> yeah. Um, luckily, it only counts for one game um, because of how bad they played. So, but other one I'll mention is SMU. The uh, the Ponies went on the last play. Tanner Mordecai transferred from OU. Throws it deep. Reggie Robertson catches in the end zone as time expires for the touchdown. You know, great finish to the game. They're three and zero. Definitely a fun way to end a game. Um, those things aren't <laughs> – those aren't ever promised, you know. So, anytime you could see a, a game end on a Hail Mary, um, I mean, that's some of the most fun things in college football. Also, a negative news, hate to hear about Dylan Gabriel. Um, was it Clavicle, I believe, um, on that last play? Last very play last, almost meaningless play. Not meaningless in the sense that they had a chance to score, but they were doing the – the lateral thing and you just hate to see him get hurt on a play like that. So 
um, hurt at all, but obviously on a playoff cut, they have, they don't have a defined time for him to come back. Obviously you would expect that to probably end his season, usually how those go. So hate it for him. Luckily he still has some eligibility left so he can come back and, and ball out another year for UCF. Hate it for him as well. Uh, you know, just after midnight, BYU is up 21 to seven. I think it's the Arizona state at home. So we'll keep an eye on that, but you can follow him on Twitter at Deep South Daniel. He will have his, what are you calling it? Your Saturday impressions. impressions. There you go. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Carnes with a K. I'll have my JK's takeaways and I'm continuing to, to put up there. So be sure to follow us on Twitter and that will do it for this edition of the Extra Point. He is Daniel. I am Jacob. See you.